Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another Nacho Tuesday. Um, I'm here, uh, Andy Caruso, with Nacho Nacho, the best place to buy SaaS. And a lot of that re reason is because we have a lot of the best software, a lot of the best software products on the planet. And uh, today I have Chad with Orange Docs, who's going to go over some of the biggest document management trends in 2023. And he's also going to ex explain and introduce us, uh, introduce to us his product and explain what they're doing over there and why his product in particular is unique. Um, and and in that regard, I'd love, Chad, if you can give us an introduction to your product and a quick one-minute elevator pitch. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Orange Docs is a um, secure document sharing platform. Uh, we do also virtual data rooms, uh, specifically integrated with uh, Google Workspace. Great. So how'd you uh, get to where you're at in your career? Where did, where did all this start? What inspired you to start a document management company? Uh, you <laughs> somewhere and you lost the Yeah, I mean, I think, um, yeah, I see you call it more like doc secure document sharing in the end, but I think... Um, mm -hmm. Where this all came from, it's an interesting story. We started with a, a Snapchat for business documents, uh, me and a co-founder in 2014. And then we shopped that around and we told people, hey, we can have your um, documents disappear after a period of time. And then people are like, oh, that's interesting. And then we're like, well, we can also tell you who looked at them and for how long. And that is exactly where people had a lot more interest. So we decided to pursue that. Uh, we came a document tracking um, uh, platform. And then we moved from there. Uh, after a number of years of it not working, we decided, I decided, essentially the co-founder left, I decided to uh, move it into secure document um, protection. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of times you could find that a feature maybe in consumer applications can also apply to uh, business uh, business applications as well. I know that mm -hmm. uh, who viewed your uh, photo uh, feature and Snapchat and other social media sites is extremely popular. For sure. Nice. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting, too, because a lot of times it's not like your first iteration of the product. It's kind of a it's a marathon that you're running. Right. So you, yeah. you kind of pick up some features and some things that work along the way uh, to get to the final product to where you're at today. Um, so, yeah, we'd love to hear more about all the features and everything that your product carries today that uh, people should know about. Yeah. So one of the, the biggest ones, um, yeah, I see we started with document tracking. Uh, so we do a lot of um, really in-depth document tracking when you share documents with your, um, your prospective clients and uh, customers. And then, you know, we move right into the document security. And that was the biggest one for us. So security being, if I was sharing, you know, a document with, um, you know, your team, um, I would be able to ensure that only they saw the document and they couldn't afford it to anybody else. Yeah. Uh, and then I could also skew when they viewed it as well. Uh, and that works great when you're doing things like fundraising. Yep. So you're doing your due diligence, you want to share like really important financials and key things about your company that are really confidential. Uh, you do not want them being shared. Uh, you use a data room, which is what we provide. And we have the secure document technology on top of that to ensure that you're not forwarding some other, you know, someone else. Great. And so why should companies care about this besides obvious reasons that you, know, you don't want your, your glorified pitch deck to get out there to the world and everybody to copy your ideas? Um, is there any use cases or stories that you've heard of where people didn't do it right and they probably could have used a platform like yours to uh, mitigate that problem in advance? Uh, yeah, I mean, specific stories, not not quite, um, but definitely, you know, when it comes to a couple different use cases that we see quite a bit. Um, one, obviously, is what I want to describe there, which is mm -hmm. being a virtual data room for fundraising is a big one. Due diligence, um, and that could be fundraising not only for your startup, but for also you know, different um, investing rounds within a particular um, venture capital company or private equity company. Um, and obviously, the, you know, the key things being there, that, that one being that, you know, you don't want those key financials being, you know, shared with everyone because they are very, very confidential. But also is uh, in regards to trading material. So people who are sharing educational material out, uh, they sell it. 
Uh, they do not want that to be proliferated because otherwise they lose revenue. And that's another big one we see as well. Great. So do you guys have any, a lot of clients in the creator economy space too, or is it, do you find like a lot of venture capitalists and maybe sales teams probably use your product? We're a little bit more on the business side than sort of a venture capitalist, private equity finance side. Um, we did pursue quite aggressively initially for the creator side. Um, and it's something that creators uh, do look for things for free rather than yeah. paying. <laughs> I want money from you though. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, we see a little bit more now from businesses who actually have training material that they want not only to be disseminated, but securely and also to track that people have actually looked at it and actually reviewed it. And that's one of the things we're not seeing as well. That's great. What other tips do you have for people to, you know, to, to know when and how to secure their documents? Uh, what would be, you know, a key piece of information that you might want to keep out of other people's hands? You mentioned, you know, a pitch deck, financials. Do you see any other trends there where some it might be kind of a gray area where people don't know if it's secure data, if it's data that they, sh they should keep secure or not? Yeah, I mean, I think I would say anytime you're sharing externally outside your company, you should be looking at tools. And that's that's one of the key things um, you know to do. Specifically, obviously, like marketing material, sales material aren't um, aren't exactly like a, a anything you have to care about. You know, when it comes to secure sharing, um, definitely financials. Uh, those are a really big one. Anything to do with like um, you know patent information, uh, proprietary information that is very specific to your company that is competitive. Um, we're now seeing a lot more people being realizing, hey, I shouldn't just send this Excel spreadsheet that describes exactly how my product works. Uh, or how my, you know, particular um, uh, patent is, is is set up. So, you know, doing things like that to ensure that people, uh, you know, don't share that information is, is is getting pretty key. Great. And have you guys gotten any patents for any of the work that you do, or do you have experience in that realm? No, no, no. <laughs> I've had, I, I have. I had to learn it the hard way, but it's a lot of time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's interesting. I mean, like, uh, I had a, a, a cousin of mine who does a lot of um, um, he actually works for the University of Southern Carolina in the mm -hmm. entrepreneur program. And he was all about patents and, um, you know, moving from the tech world into, um, you know, old school tech world of today. Yeah. And I think it's, it is quite difficult to secure patents, especially when we have, you know, the technology today. It's a lot of it's shared. I mean, we use a lot of open source technology, so it's really difficult to patent something that's specific to our process. But, yeah, especially for software, it's always difficult. I, I've, um, in the past, had like a hardware IoT product. It's a lot easier to patent stuff around that. Yeah, software is always uh, always tough. <laughs> um, on the flip side of that, too, I know a lot of founders are always worried about their idea getting out there. Uh, what are your thoughts on, say, a founder that's worried about, you know, not sharing his idea with people and being in that, you know, stereotypical stealth mode, if you will? Is there some upsides and downsides to that? I've, I hear it all the time, and I'm like, <laughs> just yeah. go out there and share it. I it was funny because like uh, I started um, getting into this whole startup realm back in 2012. Uh, and I'm, we're in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and there wasn't a lot of uh, people I knew here. So I just started going to meetups and talking to people. And I always thought the people who were like, ah, oh, you know, we got to, you know, startup is on stealth. I don't want to talk about it. You're like, great. Well, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> I mean, if you're not going to be able to talk about your startup, I mean, no one's really going to pay attention to you. So, I mean, yeah. I, it's interesting because I take the, the idea that I'll, you know, anybody who asks me what we're doing, I will tell them everything that we're doing um, because I really believe that we also have an edge. Um, on our competition, um, specifically our integration with Google. And I think I have no problem telling people where we are at and what we're doing um, because I don't, you know, I don't see that as being a, a, a negative. Um, but I, I think the people who are really, you know, scared about um, their startup and their being in stealth mode and they're worried about that is that they probably don't bring a lot to the table. They're yeah. probably not bringing a lot of um, things that are um, that uh, you know, 
a tangible and also for like you know competitive wise they're not able to be competitive because they yeah you know so the idea is only they're, they're the only thing they're bringing so that's why they're not going to really describe it to you that's a great point yeah it's a it's a confidence thing right and it kind of mm-hmm. it kind of is exudes itself and in, in the way they act around that particular subject but um you know i used to be that way too when i was a first-time entrepreneur like 18 19 <laughs> you know i just want to protect your idea against the world and now it's usually a sure sign when people think the idea is like the greatest thing it's really about execution so yeah. you know uh anybody can have an idea but just putting pen to paper and actually making the bring the thing to life and actually knowing how to build the company brick by brick is a totally different thing for sure Nice. What other kind of uh, experiences and lessons have you learned as an entrepreneur over the years? <laughs> well, a lot. <laughs> you go down the rabbit hole here. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, there, I mean, I would say like in general, what, there's a couple of sort of things that stand out with, with um, you know, with Orange Lock specifically. I had some other uh, startups that uh, didn't go anywhere back in the day. Mm-hmm. But the biggest one was, you know, learning from a product where you know we were initially just way too agnostic we're just like we do document tracking for anybody yeah. and the problem was we weren't specialized in any niche of the company and we were told many times that you need to niche it and we're like no we don't need to do that and guess what it didn't really go anywhere um and that was one of the biggest things was really difficult is to listen to that feedback um from people and then you know also the the pivoting so you know people talk about pivoting but essentially mm-hmm. it's just that changing that idea and, and making it so you're not like we'll only do this yeah and you know, doing that document tracking, what happened with that is that, you know, I started with a co-founder. Uh, he left the company after a couple of years and, uh, you know, we weren't just going where we wanted to go. Um, people weren't willing to pay for the product. Um, they were like, ah, you know, it's a nice to have. And you don't want to hear that when you have a product is that it's nice yep. to have. I want to hear that I need it. Yep. And um, so I actually put the product down for two years. Didn't do anything with it. Just yep. sat there. And I thought, oh, that's it. The product is going to die. I'll just let the see customers, you know. And it didn't. And so I was like, okay, well, there's something there. And that's why I started looking into what people were caring about and what they cared about was the security. Yeah. And that's where the, that pivot came. And that's really made the big change to the company in the sense of, you know, our revenue has grown dramatically since then. Um, we are growing quite aggressively now. Mm-hmm. And that's been great because we're moving into a space where not only do we find, hey, by listening to our customers that you care about document security, but you also care that we exist with your existing tools, like yep. Google Workspace. Integrations are huge. And it's massive, yeah. And it's not just even integration. It's like we exist within that realm, that scope. Yeah. They don't, they don't want to change their workflow. So if you could fit right nicely into it, it's yeah. it's a it's a win-win. Exactly. And we have those integrations with like Gmail and Google Drive. You don't have to leave them. I mean, you just do everything yeah. there. And I think uh, if you look at existing tools, existing virtual data room tools are yeah. tend to be fairly legacy. It's like you have yeah. to upload files to them. you got to manage everything there. Uh, and it's a lot of duplication work and a lot of things get um, sort of missed. Oops, I forgot to update that file, but uh, within the data room. Mm-hmm. Um, also, they do things like charge by megabyte, which I'm like, I thought I didn't realize it. people are still doing that since the 1990s. So <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it's insane. And so, you know, we provide a solution that is. Uh, is it's like charging for text still these days. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I saw that. 100 texts a month. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, you're talking thousands of dollars where, you know, we're more in the, you know, mm-hmm highest tier plan for business is 65 bucks a month and i think this is where now use you know especially companies that are looking to save money are like hey you know let's just choose somebody who we integrate with well it's easy to use and it's it's not it's it's inexpensive and that's exactly where we fit that's great yeah it's it's interesting Uh, a lot of times you know everybody thinks their product is is for everybody and they want to you know go after the Mm -hmm. biggest market possible but a lot of times it's best to go land and expand with a niche audience and then you can iterate and build upon that um, and it's interesting with pivoting too. A lot of times people think pivoting is a bad term, 
Um, mm-hmm. Pivot doesn't have to necessarily be a 180 on a product. It could just be, you know, you could be one small thing away from being successful. It could be a, a feature that your customers really wanted. It could be like a security feature. It could be viewing people, the, the integrations, right? Mm-hmm. Not disrupting their workflow that makes people mm-hmm. want to adopt the product. It could be better positioning, but a lot of people kind of give up before they get to that point and, you know, play with those different variables to get that right product market fit before they, uh, before they find success. Totally. Exactly. And that, you know, that pivot is, has been viewed as a dirty word because it's like, oh, you failed, but you didn't fail in my mind. I think it's change. I mean, you, just gotta, <laughs> you gotta keep on evolving your product. If you're not evolving your product, then essentially you are going to be the, you know, the, the old dinosaur in the room that's going to be going, you know, and that's not where we build these things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go, go work a corporate company and get a cushy paycheck, you know, if you want. <laughs> Great. So what, what's next for a uh, document sharing in the entire industry? Do you see AI playing a role into that or any uh, other trends? Yeah, I mean, I'm not too sure exactly where I would sit with, with what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're really that sort of like we're viewed as a, a strict tool between sharing with from human to human. Um, you know, I think things where I could come into, into it would be helping to um, do a lot of document summaries, understanding what you know, is within particular data rooms, say, for instance. Um, but I think in the end, what it, I think what where the industry is going is that the integrations. You know, like say there's these old school legacy companies that have worked on, you know, you upload to us, we'll store it securely for you. Well, Google Drive stores it securely. I mean, all that is now is is, is commonplace. You expect that. You expect that your documents are stored securely. You're okay with me on the cloud. And now it's a question of like, how do I disseminate them securely? And and in making sure that, you know, we're using a tool that integrates with where we're at. And that's where things are going to go. I mean, if you're not integrated tightly with a service provider, like Google Drive or Dropbox or Box, um, then you're probably going to be left in the dust. Definitely. And, and so your product's primarily catered towards more SMBs. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely more SMBs. Um, we're seeing a little bit more enterprise uh, sales now. I think a lot more interest from larger companies because we don't have a team's plan that allows them to do that. But definitely more on the SMB side um, at the moment. That's great. Um, any other tips, I guess, for other SaaS founders out there that might be watching today uh, for how to bring a product to market and ensure that it's you, you have that product market fit that every company desires? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> a lot of tips, but I mean, I still summarize down a couple of key yep. ones. Um, number one is to determine what kind of company you want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the things that we started was, um, and one of the things that killed the original company, um, what I had to put it down for a while, was uh, do we go for funding or do we not? And I spent about a year of my time trying to find funding, and we didn't close around. Um, the company just crumpled after it because it wasn't because we couldn't find the funding. It's just because we didn't run the right market fit. Um, we were at the right time for doing it. Also, what primarily came of that was that it's not the type of personality I am. I don't want to jump into a company, raise you know millions of dollars, and try to like make this thing go crazy. Uh, where I sort of fit better, and I realized this later, was that I just actually want to build a company from the ground and bootstrap it, and that's what I've done, and it's now profitable, and it's been working great. So you got to choose. I think as a founder, what do you want? Um, you know, what do you want your lifestyle to be like too? Um, you know, I have friends who've done done that they've exited i have friends who did it and did not exit and exploded mm-hmm. um i have friends who bootstrapped companies and, and exited and, and, or and not so it's all over the whole spectrum but it depends on like your personality and you got to really understand that before you go in um, it's probably one of the biggest ones yeah that's a good point because a lot of people think you have to raise money and they think even worse they think raising money is success <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's a liability you know <laughs> you got to return it that is. money 
it's uh, the money train. You know, once you're on it, you stay on it because that's the only yeah. way you're gonna, you know, your investors are gonna be able to get off. And I think yeah. people don't fully realize, oh, we raised some money and then we're done. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's, just, it's a nonstop process. And I think yeah. uh, you also have a lot more control in the bootstrap company, but it's also means that it's a lot more. You struggle a lot more. You don't grow as fast. But mm -hmm. honestly, I, I like that because you know you're able to, you know, you learn more about your product and your customer. You do, you do. You have, it takes a little longer. You learn more about your customer, a bit better fit, um, and then you know you have a lot more control of what you do, where you're going. Yeah, and you're not in a rush to scale, right? So the investors, you know, the monthly updates or quarterly updates, uh, wondering where that where the heck the company is. You know, focus on getting that product market fit, ensuring yeah. that your customers love your product, and then you go find more people like that, and it's yeah. a lot easier to sell into after. It totally, totally, and um, you know, we've we've grown, and with the help of uh, you know Donnie, my marketing. Um, head of marketing has been great because we've actually been able to grow quite consistently now and we now have a consistent pipeline and it's doing quite well and you know it's really interesting to see that it's not exponential growth but it is it's like nice linear growth that is now continuing to to increase over time and um and that's worked really well to also help to grow the company um slowly and not to explode it i've seen people be like oh i gotta hire like 20 50 people tomorrow yeah and then you know a, a year later they're not even in business because they couldn't manage that and it just crumbled from the inside or more popular back in the day, not today anymore. But I saw mm -hmm. entrepreneurs that raised some seed funding and they would go get a nice office space. Hopefully, <laughs> uh, right. a lot of entrepreneurs aren't doing that now, but that was a huge like waste of money back in the day. Now it's you know hiring too many employees or spending a, a bunch of money on ads that don't convert for anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've seen that too as well. And um, you know, we haven't we haven't really done any paid advertising other than you know some of the um, uh, a little bit of testing we did back in the day. So we've been really sort of really careful when we spend our money and that really has helped to, you know, um, put it in the right place, you know, make sure we're really, really getting the return of our investment rather than just saying, Hey, let's just try this and blow a whole bunch of money. And you're like, oh, wow, that really didn't work. And now we don't have anything else. So now yeah. we got to raise again. So. Yeah. It's so much easier when you, when you know your customers love it and you could just go knock on some doors and find some more right away. Yeah. And it's, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't happen overnight. Right. So, right. you know, initially it's a lot of brick by brick building, you know, cut one customer at a time and at, I've always seen at one point there's this there's this point where it just explodes all of a sudden where you know people are recommending your product through word of mouth, uh, your customers you know really are engaged with the product, they continue to stick around and use it, adding to your you know your revenue there. But then you know most importantly the word of mouth comes in, right? They start telling their peers and other other people like them about your product, and that's where things really start to explode overnight. But it never happens unless you have a very firm and a strong foundation for the company and, and the product for which it was built on. Yeah, and that's exactly what we're seeing today. Actually, it's exactly that happening. It's been great, um, but it's also perseverance, right? Like I've done this this company since 2015. Yeah. You know, and in 2017, I put it down for two years. 2017, yeah. 19. So I mean, there's a large periods of time where I didn't even touch it. Since 2019, I've really sort of worked at it again, um, pretty dedicated. And now it's um, been only the last like year or two that it's really sort of uh, started to take off a bunch. And especially the last year, it's been uh, doing quite well. So yeah. that's a great story. Yeah, it's not overnight success always. <laughs> Not at all. Not, not by, I mean, it's, it's interesting because you know, on that point, you know, like I have a lot of founders around me who have exited and like they're retired and they don't do anything anymore. <laughs> and, uh, you know, look at them as my friends and I'm like, wow, I, you know, I'm still, I'm still in like the trenches, you know, like mm -hmm. in a hard, but you know, this is the way it is. So uh, either you stick with it or you just say, find something different. Um, but the key is perseverance for sure. I don't know if I ever could. I'm kind of an artist type. So I always you know, like to keep building the next thing after, you know, after you solve a problem, you want to focus on the next problem after that. So one, you know, one at a time. Right. Um, well, that's great. Uh, I guess, you know, have you always been an entrepreneur? Did he work for another company or 
Um, how did yeah. you start it again? <laughs> uh, I've, I've always been sort of an entrepreneur since uh, nice. you know, high school, and um, I've only actually had really one job, um, mm-hmm. and I was actually in oh. two. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> yeah, I've uh, yeah. So that's you all had like, those jobs back in the day. It <laughs> was like a university job, and then um, yeah, and then I um, I just started doing my own stuff in two thousand four mm-hmm. as a consultant doing business intelligence, mm-hmm. and um, I did that for many many years, and then started in twenty twelve. Decided to move, build a product because I'm an engineer and I wanted to build something, and a couple of different ideas that did not do anything, did not go anywhere, and then finally settled on Orange Docs, and then you know the rest is history. That's kind of on the same timeline. Uh, I kind of started the entrepreneurship motion around 2000, 2004-ish around there too. So um, yeah, I, I uh, did some, I did like a restaurant job way back in the day, way back in the day in high school and all that, but mm-hmm. I've experience like interacting with people and all that, but uh, <laughs> got bored of that job pretty quickly because it's mm-hmm. you know, fairly repetitive and easy to figure out. So um, I got into technology, probably not unlike yourself because, you know, the problem solving aspects of it. And every right. day is a new challenge, and that kind of keeps you uh, keeps you on your toes, which is always fun. Definitely, yeah. I mean, that's what I love about it. It's building a product, you know. And one of the things that you know, we're talking about the whole idea of products is that you know, one thing that was born from Orange Docs was uh, a completely different product, which is to do with more creator side, which is this Lightroom presets for your for, for, for photography. And we branched that product out into a product called the Color, uh, which within about a year had about two hundred thousand users on it. So. This is great to have another product that you can play with, and um, you know, um, revenue-wise, it doesn't do as good as, as Orange Docs because because it's you know it's a consumer product, but it's really yeah. fun to build something that has you know millions of views and um, yeah. it's uh, you know hundreds of thousands of people to, to use it, which is great. Yeah, yeah, I've been on the side of B two C, and I've also been on B two B. So, you know, I feel like B two C, like product development and marketing for that matter, there's a lot of skills you can learn that you could bring over to B two B and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A lot of people in B2B always forget that, you know, at the end of the day, we're selling to people, right? And right. people love amazing experiences. And I feel like consumer marketers and product designers have done a really good job uh, tapping into the psychology of the users and their behaviors. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's why a lot of B2B products are really bland, if you, you know, if I don't mind saying that. But uh, <laughs> once I figure out that UX and how to make a really highly engaging product that anticipates those perceptions and behaviors of their audience, um, you know, connects really well with those customers. And that those kind of products like really spark a lot of interest in my opinion, but there's definitely some overlaps you can learn from the B2C and B2B market. Um, yeah. Have you found kind of a similar approach before? Yeah, actually it was interesting because, you know, we, um, uh, I actually brought in my head of marketing there uh, specifically with the BDC product, that, that the color product. And, you know, we, we pushed out quite hard. We tried a bunch of things and we actually then took that in, you know, when it didn't work that well, I mean, we grew to a certain size. I think we just captured most of the market, funny yeah. enough. Um, and it's unfortunate you just can't make good money at it. So we moved over back to putting that energy into the color or starting to orange docs. And there was a lot of things that we used from that the experience we had from, you know, how we were doing outreach, um, you know, uh, what, what kind of marketing we're doing, work with marketing stuff worked great. Um, also on the business side, because like exactly you say, it's just, uh, you're just selling to somebody else, some other person. And because we have more SMBs, you know, we can actually target just the, the head of the company typically, or someone's yeah. pretty high up and they make the decision. And because they're a lower price point, they just choose. We don't have to worry about going through massive sales cycle either. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of nice with business. You could just, you know, focus the effort, your effort on getting one customer and, you know, that's, you could build that brick by brick, business by business. Um, it's, it scales quite nicely. <laughs> Whereas yeah. for a lot of times you're trying to go for like the mass marketing, you know, mass adoption approach. Right. So I've had a social media app in the past. 
Um, so it was all about just getting users on, getting them engaged, and then then you figure out monetization later. <laughs> not not <laughs> products like that, but a lot of them tend to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. <laughs> monetization is the, the the hardest one for sure. You know, we had some options, and um, you know, fortunately, advertising just really hasn't done terribly well over the last you know eight months a year mm -hmm. uh, with you know, the economic downturn. So you know, you really sort of suffer through whatever you know AdSense these uh, providers can give you and. Um, what nice thing about doing a, you know your own paid product is that well it's your own revenue it's paid directly to you you know and it's monthly so which is great certainly so b2c or b2b products which ones are more fun for you to work on b2b <laughs> <laughs> products keep the lights on in my house yep <laughs> and b2c products are fun to work on um, yep. in my spare time <laughs> yeah yeah i've had some good memories from uh, some b2c products that you know had fairly good success in terms of like traction from a usage standpoint, but the monetization is a whole, whole different matter. Some I've monetized, some you know, some not so much. But they always make for really fun memories, especially when you uh, uh, launch a company with friends. Which I had a company with some friends in the past, uh, kind of barely knew each other. We actually became friends from that entire project. The project failed, but we learned so much from it. And right. you know, we all had a great time working on it together. We were like, hey, we're kind of the same guys. Why don't we just, uh, you know, why don't we just keep in touch here? And uh, the friendships kind of grew grew from there. So um, that was a great experience. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's great being in this whole startup land. I mean, like I was meeting a lot of people back in the day and uh, still keep in touch with a lot of different people. And it's interesting to see that their careers have taken their paths and some of them have done extremely well. And it's nice to you know, see that um, and see that set of success. And it keeps, you also keep you able to say, hey, it's just keep going. If everyone around you completely fails and, you know, move yeah. on to something back to their old jobs or something, you'd be like, oh, maybe I should be doing the same thing too. But <laughs> when you see people be successful, you're like, wow, I, I think I can do that as well. So. Yeah, I, I love seeing people crush it that I know. I mean, you know, I, I've seen people, you know, go from nothing and kind of struggle. And then you see them hit, you know, one night overnight. And a lot of people are just, everybody's trying to be their friend or whatever. And <laughs> you're, you're like, I've known that person for 15 years working on this <laughs> stuff. You know, I knew they were going to go somewhere. And, you know, a lot of people don't want to know until the person like blows up and they, they think it's an overnight thing, but it's not. You know, I've seen these people grow and, you know, develop and learn for 10, 15 years. And then they have that overnight success and you know it's everybody wonders how it happens right it's all those all, the, all those hours and and relationships you build over the years that you know when luck is when oper it's opportunity meets preparation right? right and so everybody's like that guy's lucky no he's been preparing for years and the right opportunity came along and it connected this time so that's right. that's key um, do you have any uh, books you'd recommend for entrepreneurs to learn? Uh, learn I saw that question. I was like, oh, wow. I don't read any entrepreneur books anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's the same stuff yeah. eventually. <laughs> Honestly, like, uh, and that's actually a good point you bring up is that, you know, as an entrepreneur, I think when I started, it was like, how to read a bunch of books, figure stuff out. And then you realize later on, Copy maybe paint. I should just grow my company and yeah. focus my effort on that. I don't do a lot of events like this. I don't read a lot of those books. I just literally spend my time to mm -hmm. put it into my customers and making sure they're taken care of and, and growing the company. Yeah. However, that being said, one of the books that does stand out, um, I read Hatching Twitter. I thought it was just hilarious. It was a great book. Um, and one of the reasons why is that you know, as you go through the trenches of startup land, mm -hmm. um, you end up you know, coming out with some scars and some crazy stories and you read another book, it's great to see some of the people have this exact same issues. You know, it's not just you mm -hmm. having these weird things happen to you. Um, yeah. It's other, other, you know, yeah, everyone has well. Yeah, it's not, it's nothing you take personally, you know what I mean? It's just an mm -hmm. opportunity to learn and, you know, every step-by-step, -step, um, 
you know, one thing, unfortunately, a lot of founders take it personally. And it's, you know, it can be hard being a founder or an entrepreneur because sometimes mm-hmm. you, know, you, you get so involved with your product and your business. It's just it's an extension of your life, really. Yeah. And, you know, to be able to separate that and just see it as a tool for what it is. Um, you know, it helps, helps you kind of understand and cope with all the ups and downs of the uh, exciting world of entrepreneurialism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's exactly it, right? I mean, it's, um, it's to have fun on the way, right? And if you're not having fun anymore, I think it's a good time to reevaluate what you're doing. You know? Definitely, 100%. So what's next for Orange Docs? And uh, why should, you know, I always like to say, like, why should people choose your product over, say, another one out there? And, and I love giving you guys a spotlight to talk about your unique selling proposition and uh, tell people, of course, to go check it out in the B2B SaaS marketplace known as a Nacho Nacho. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think the main reason is what we've mentioned before is the key for us is that we are highly integrated with Google Workspace, which is where you work. And, you know, you're not going to want to use a tool that is completely separate that requires you to upload files to different places. Um, you know, we pull them from exactly where you work. We're always synced with Google Workspace. So anytime you change a file, it will automatically sync with it. You don't have to do anything. And that's one of the biggest um, the biggest selling points for us is making sure that, you know, uh, we're not duplicating effort for our users. And um, I think that's what's really attracted people to our platform. We've verbatim had people tell us we're using it because of that. So I think that's where we're going to end up striving uh, and thriving. That's great. Well, Chad, I really appreciate you coming in today. And if anybody's interested in checking out Orange Docs, please uh, take a look at the B2B SaaS marketplace. Nacho Nacho is the best place to buy SaaS. Um, Chad, once again, I really appreciate you coming on today. It's great, uh, you know, kind of shooting it up with you on the uh, stories here and kind of uh, diving in a little bit deeper into the uh, world of entrepreneurialism. There's always a lot that connects with me there. And, you know, I think a lot of our audience loves to hear those backstories and realize that, you know, success is just around the corner if you keep persevering and keep moving towards it. Definitely. Great. Thanks, Chad.